3: Defeat for Borah at the CBS Arena, 9 wins in 33, we break down Nottingham Forest and we speak to Dan from Up The Mighty Pose podcast to break down a big week for Bora. and of course we answer your podcast questions, so let's get to it, we're the Bora Breakdown podcast and this is all your Bora Master Chatter in a podcast.
4: One support, Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air, Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett, hit it Higgy, Higgy hits the track, oh!
1: Abanelli coming alive again, Jannino wants the ball played to him,
3: Abanelli spots out. And welcome to the Borough Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana, and Tom. And on Saturday, Borough lost two goals to nil against Mark Robinson's Coventry City, leaving Borough fifteenth place with six points from six games. Guys, defeat yesterday. Tom, I want to. I want you to tell me how you're feeling in, in three words. Uh, very, very disappointed. Okay. Why am very very disappointed? It just wasn't a great
5: performance, was it? I think we said before the international break, uh, you know, we, we've got that couple of weeks to, to get things done on the training ground and then kick on from there. And it was just, it, it was worse than than the performance at Blackburn, uh, uh, at home at Blackburn. We've went back instead of kind of pushing on, uh, you know, diff- it's a disappointing kind of like false start after after the international break. So fingers crossed
3: we can put it right quite quickly. Yeah, well, we have got two games this week, Um, but Dana, your three words, how how are you feeling?
6: Sim to end.
3: Sim to end? Yeah, because,
6: you know, I've just got some thoughts on this season, and I just, I know it's early days, and people think that this is an jerk reaction, and I think that's a completely valid response, but I just feel like this season, we'll end up looking back on it, and really dubbing it a bit of a wasted season and you know I have my thoughts on that I think it's mainly because I I, I just feel like Neil Warnock is holding us back and that we are trying to move forward with a new direction obviously the appointment of Kieran Scott and then the change of approach in the transfer window but I just don't think we've got the right manager to head all of it
3: So are you suggesting change?
6: I don't I don't really know to be honest I don't know where I stand on it because Yes, we could get rid now, but then again, I think this season will probably end up being a bit of a wasted season. I don't know where I stand on it. To be honest, I wouldn't be averse to Neil Warnock leaving, but I don't know.
3: Yeah, well, look, the, it's, it's still very early, and I think that's <laughs> like Matthew words. It's still early, but like the. Uh, obviously, after, after six games, when you look at teams who've who've got promoted and after bad starts, they tend to kick on after like 10 to 15 games. And my opinion's always been, judges at Christmas, and we'll see where we're at. Um, but I think with, with Borough now, I, I think, to put it bluntly, I think we are a mid-table side anyway. Like, I know this season, it's, it's not me like saying, oh, we're going to finish mid-table this year, but I am saying, as a club, the club has recruited poorly. They haven't had a strategic in uh, like a strategic plan in terms of management. Um, they haven't had a certain style. No one's been singing from the same hymn sheet. There seems to be a divide. So that all of that muddled together doesn't really give you an output of success really, does it? It's mm. just, it, just, it just it just says like chaos. Um yeah. almost like that, that meme where it's like the dog and it's like the fire and they say everything's fine. That's <laughs> yes, what it's kind. Of, yes. That's what it's kind of like a little it bit, was not it? Like over like the last few seasons, but. It, it's still very early. I think things can still get better, but at the moment, if 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 I'm honest, like I think where we're at at the moment is probably where Borough should be at at the minute. Do you know what I mean? That that's kind mm. of where we should be. Like, if everything off the pitch is going well, is is in transition, surely the stuff on the pitch probably will will follow that to, to some extent. But
6: yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird one because I I feel like I mean, how long has Neil Warnock been here now since? June 2020. June 2020 yeah. I just don't feel like we're any nearer to being either a Neil Warnock side or even a decent side that mm. can, you know, be gunning for promotion this season. I think a lot of people have mentioned recently. I've definitely seen a shift in the sort of perception of of Bora's season and the the opinions on Neil Warnock recently. Um, I just kind of feel like. Oh, I don't know. I just I'm a little bit disillusioned at the moment. I think <clears throat> and results like that against Coventry, performances like that against Coventry, is it, they just don't help. Um, and I feel like um, tactics are maybe a little bit outdated.
3: Well, we'll we'll break let's break Coventry down, and then we'll move on to Boris' form because some of the the facts and figures are, are quite are quite bleak if you want to go that way. Yeah. But we'll we'll start things off and we'll go before the game first. Dana, Paddy McNair was going to stand that in the back three. Injured, of course, Sol Bamba replaced him. And congratulations to Sol Bamba by the way. 90 mm. minutes in, yeah, uh, after coming back from cancer as well. So fantastic for him. Um, but he came in at the side. But how, Dana, how, how big of a blow is it for, for Borough to lose, Paddy McNair? appreciate he's going to be assessed on Monday. We don't know the impact he could potentially could be out for. But how big of a blow would it be to lose him?
6: It depends on... What formation burrow gonna play with for the next handful of games, because, as I've mentioned a few times, I think in midfield Paddy McNair he's just he's not really as present as he is when he's bringing the ball out from the back in uh from defence into those sort of deep areas of midfield, so if we play with the uh, with wing backs, which I don't think we will after yesterday's game then yes, it would be he uh, would be a big miss. But if we're going to play with a four at the back and then three in midfield, it's not so much of a loss, in mm. my opinion.
3: Okay, well, not much of a loss. But, Tom, do you think Borough, well, Dana thinks so, but do you think that Borough will probably change system now? Given that the injuries we've got, I think we've got like a depth 23 players and four out injured. Um, do you think we might maybe change? I think we have to, unless Bowler's
5: going to be back in the next couple of games, which nobody seems to know. <clears throat> um, I, I'm kind of more in favour of us going four at the back now, especially if uh, if Bowler's still out. We can probably get away with playing Peltier there and not having him kind of bombing forward as much. We don't need him to, to play wing-back. But if, if we're going to stick with a three at the back slash five at the back and playing playing wing-backs, then we need Bowler back Um Paddington Air will be a massive miss to, to that system
3: You've both said the, the wing back system is probably not going to be as effective now but why why do you think that is just out of curiosity I think it's unbalanced at the moment um, you know
5: w- w- with Bowler being out injured we don't really have another option there fair enough you can play Tav or Jones there but they're not wing backs they're both well Jones is kind of more of an out and out winger and Tav's kind of your more creative player that you want up top you don't want him playing left wing back Hmm. so ideally, you know, we need Baller back as quick as possible, but if 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 not, then we've got no-one else who can really play there. I think the only two players
3: who could have played wing-back are both out on loan at the moment. Oh, so, 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 so do you not, do you not see uh, Tav maybe filling in for for, for Baller on the left wing-back?
5: I mean, it, it's a possibility. Um, you know, Warnock said the other day, like, oh, he'll probably play a left-back if I wanted him to, and... I've got no doubt that he probably will, would try and play Tav there, but I don't want to see Tav playing there. Um, you know, you you want to see him up top creating chances or like cutting in from the right onto on his left, and he's just not going to get the the opportunity to do that if he's if he's having to fill in at left wing back. Personally, I'm I'm just I'm quite disappointed that after the the transfer window, such a glaring problem through the entire summer wasn't actually addressed and. You know, now, now we're in the free agent market, but we apparently missed out on one last week.
6: And that'll be it's King like, Brian, won't it? Yeah,
5: mm. like just try for a few at once. Like
3: it, it's obvious that we we need another option there. I can play left back. I mean, I've got a terrible injury record, but I reckon <laughs> I'll I could I could do a job. Um, <laughs> but in terms of, of the defense, Tom, you mentioned Lee Peltier there, um, and him and in, in Bamber in defense, um, and I appreciate yesterday. I feel like we must have been the slowest defense of, of all time, really. With 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 Bamber, Fry and, and, and Grant Hall. But how do you think Bamba coped yesterday? Because I appreciate it was his first, f- probably, his, well, that's his second full night, isn't it, given that you played, right? played against Blackpool, right? You played against Blackpool in the cup, but in the first league game. Um, but how do you think he coped yesterday? How do you think the defence coped in general as a three? Because it seemed to get torn apart at times with the pace of, of, of the Coventry's team. I didn't mind
5: Bamba so much yesterday. Um going to be honest, it was better than I was expecting, you know, for for that time out out of football and then playing a, a full ninety yesterday at very short notice, he he looked all right when when he was called upon. Um, at, at times, certain others in the defence didn't have a good game. Um, I think particularly Grant Hall and Dyke I've, I've, I mean, it was sad to see, but Dyke had an awful game yesterday. <laughs> did. Um and and I thought Grant Hall didn't play well either. Um, as a, as a whole, I just think. Setting up in that system yesterday, we just really missed Paddy McNair because we didn't mm. have anyone bringing the ball out of defence, and it just it seemed very kind of disjointed between the defence and the rest of the
3: rest of the team. Okay, so Dana, I am going to ask you about Dyke Steele really quickly because we had a poor game yesterday. Why, why, do, why do you think it was then? Because he, he's been so consistent. I mean, appreciate sure players can have bad games; everyone can have a bad day. But why, why do you think he's been quite poor? At- well especially yesterday
6: Yeah I think it was just a bad day at the office for, for Dykesdale. it was very similar with Tav as well, I thought he didn't have a great performance either and you know what? usually the the biggest strength of Dykesdale is those defensive duels he's fantastic at just wrapping his body around the ball and effectively shielding not only the player away from sort of getting it back but also winning the ball, tackling getting up and then moving from that and I think particularly for the the second, was it the second goal? I can't remember. Both the goals are sort of merging into (laughs) into one, but there was one where um, he went to tackle, and then it was Jokovic, it was the first one, one, yeah. Uh, You know, that's the type of tackle that he usually wins, and he didn't, and I thought that was, it was odd to see, because he's usually very good at those defensive drills, but I just think it was a bad day for Dyke Steele.
3: Okay, well, on on, on the other wing then, uh, if you look at the heat map of, of the game, Coventry really... Looked to play on the right hand side and, and essentially targeted Isaiah Jones there. So why why do you think that was then? Because it, it is because it, of his lack of defensive qualities maybe, or is that just the style of Coventry?
6: I don't think they. I don't think they did target Jones to be honest. I think that's just the way that they play. Mm. I was looking into Coventry before the game and they do tend to attack down that right hand side through Frank Hardy Darbo, who I think is a fantastic wing back. I thought he had a very good game yesterday. And then Cal Hare moves into those areas on that right-hand side as well. So I think Coventry, they just played how they usually play. And this is my problem with Borough. Instead of playing how we play and playing in our own identity, we often always pander to the opposition. And it goes back to after the derby game, I was questioning whether we need to man-mark every team every player religiously all over the pitch and I just don't think that we do of course we need to pay particular attention to certain players I think Cal Moher was one of them yesterday but it's almost as if we're so cautious we can't I don't like when we get the ball back from this man man marking it's almost as if the first thought in the players minds when they're attacking is shit what if I lose it I'm gonna have to like you know, get a dog lead on Callum O'Hare and, and follow him all across the pitch. And, and when it works, like it did last season against um, Norwich when Daniel Fisher pocketed Todd, Todd Cantwell, it's fantastic. But my question is, do we need to do that to every team? I would just mm. love to Borough, I would love Borough to play with their own, with their own identity and instead of playing the opposition play their own game.
5: I totally agree with that as well. I think, um, I, I remember under under Mowbray we used to do it quite a lot as well. I remember specifically one game against Peterborough where, to be fair, it did work, but he was switching the centre midfielders around and rotating them. Um, so Peterborough kind of didn't know who they were marking, but it was set up to, to confuse them and, and it worked against them and it, it did work well. But he tried that too much and it was never... Never one formation that we stuck to, which I kind of see now. If you look at the successful teams, like you know Premier League and, and Championship, you don't see like Liverpool, City, or even like Fulham in the Championship, for example. Thinking, shit, we've got to play Borough next. Like we may as well like rotate our formation so we can counter them. Like they mm. just they have their own style, and I, I agree with you, Dana, that we do need our own style because. It was obvious when we swapped from from Marbury to Karanka, where we went to the four two three one, and only the four two three one, and you know ninety percent of the time it was effective. And yeah, I mean, in fairness, Karanka got slated for never having a plan B, but ninety percent of the time we didn't need it because we had yeah, cause it our own way of playing, which worked so well, which I don't think we have at the moment. Like. Mm. I think you said it before. The game yesterday, we'll set up to to counter Cam- Coventry, and it's exactly what we did, and it just worked against us. Yeah. So, is, is is there a style
3: then for for Boris? <clears throat> Non-existent? What do, you, what do you think it is?
6: I think with Boris' style, it's just it's just hopeful. I don't really see a lot of attacking patterns in our play, and if it is, it's. I don't know, we'll just give the ball to Grant Hall, we'll pump it into the channels and hope that Uche gets on the end of it or Matt Crooks gets on the end of it. I see more in terms of our defensive pattern. I obviously what we've just mentioned now with the um with the man marking, then I do attacking and one thing that really irks me about this style is that no one in midfield offers themselves for the ball and that's not the player's fault. It's clearly a tactic that Neil Warnock has set out for the team to do. And I just think that the the man to man marking is a lot of the time counterproductive mm. and to be honest i know negative is, is a phrase that is knocked around quite a lot for football that does pride itself on defensive stability but i do think it is quite negative The players are probably always thinking at the back of their mind "Oh, where's jamie allen where's calmer Mohair? where's darwin you know it, i get it with certain players it's as i said you need to pay particular attention to them But do we really need to breathe down every player's neck for the whole 90 minutes? I just feel like it's kind of productive.
3: Well, do you think it was exposed yesterday then, the the man-marking system? Because Coventry have a lot of off-the-ball runners and appreciate both their goals. It seemed like they broke away and made things really difficult for Borough. So do you think that was exposed again?
6: Yeah, definitely. I mean, they, they had the fluid movement up front. I thought their forward line was fantastic. Even actually going back to... Uh, Gus Harmer who was the technically the the sitting mid instead of Ben Sheaf who I was surprised didn't start but they had so much movement and interchanging and they just knew where each other w- was. I mean down the sides of Sol Bamba and Grant Hall they obviously saw that that was a weakness because they're not particularly blessed with pace and they just got the runners in midfield and there was a, uh, a piece of play where Gus Hamer actually started it Um, it was a 1-2 between Waghorn and Calum O'Hare in the box. And they just, I think they took about three players out of the game. And, uh, you know, that is, I think, (laughs) the problem with the man marking. It's all it really takes to counter it from the opposition is good movement off the ball. And we saw that yesterday with Coventry. I thought they were excellent at that.
3: Mm. Yeah, so Tom, do you think when, in that second half, when when the game really opened up then, do you think that probably hindered Borough then because Coventry started to be a bit more expansive in the play.
5: Yeah, definitely. But I think what it's it's also let them do is it, it's made us a lot more susceptible on the counter-attack as we saw with the the first goal where you know, Sparar had it in the corner about 30 seconds before it went in the back of the net and... You know, I mean, fair enough. There was some kind of comical defending uh, on on the lead up to it as well. We've already mentioned Dyke like, Steele with the with the tackle. It's it's frustrating because I, f- yeah, I think it wasn't too long after that Bamba was in a similar similar situation and actually stayed on his feet, and you know we averted the goal in that situation which is what Dyke still should have done there. Uh, But I mean, even even so, like it going through two players on the line, like what are the odds of fans? (laughs) Um, But I I listened to Warnock after the match and he said, you know, second half we we did intentionally go out and and try and create chances. But what I thought Coventry did really well was soak up any pressure that we we had. I mean, we, we did have our chances as well. Um, but they they soak that up quite well, and then just hit us on the counter attack, and it mm.
3: just it worked quite well for them. Yeah, well, Warnock did say in the in his Portsmouth port match press conference, like, that's proper proper, <laughs> proper like tongue twister that in it. Um, he he did say that like he, he thought Bora did enough to to warrant something from the game. Would you agree with it? I mean, we we did have chances. That that Uche one was. Oh, he was glaring. It was really glaring. Where he could have, he could have slid it across and didn't. What, what do you think? I don't hundred percent agree with him, but I don't hundred percent
5: disagree either. We did have our chances. Um, you know, we had that that triple save, and we hit the crossbar first half. We had tab shot that their keeper nearly dived past. Like. <laughs> We did have chances. It's just we didn't take them, and they they were a lot more clinical with the chances that they had. Um, so on that point, I can kind of see where he's coming from. Defensively, I don't think we did enough, um, and I think that was that was just obvious from the scoreline. So yeah, that's why I'm a bit kind of fifty fifty on that one.
3: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's let's chat about like the, the new signings then, because in in in, the, in his presser uh, he did the, he was asked why he played the new players, and he said he wanted to bed them in a little bit early. <clears throat> Shame he doesn't do it for Matt and but we'll go. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, What do you think of the new boys yesterday? Because Onel Hernandez started, you know, Saliki came in, Sparar came on as well. Um, what, what do you think of the new signings? Who would you pick of the bunch? Were you impressed by any of them at all, Dana?
6: I think Hernandez, obviously, it's easy to say him because he started the game. He had more minutes in uh, Le Saliki and Sparar, but he had some good good dribbles. There was a, a, m- a move down the left where he cut the ball across the face of goal, and unfortunately, Uche didn't quite get to it, but... I thought, yeah, I thought he was good. Um, my problem with, uh, it's not specifically with Hernandez, but with the way that we set up yesterday is that we did seem to have a lot of players on that left-hand side. Um, and I was trying to work out our formation for, for a while. I know I put in the group chat, well, is it is it this, is it that? And then I think I decided on it was, was it a 3-4-1-2, I think it was, with Ornel just um, just besides Ute, but... Yeah, he impressed. I think he showed some good attacking intent. Um, there were a few good dribbles, a few moments where he did cause problems, but then he faded in the game as sort of um, Coventry really seized control over it. But yeah, Lisa Leakey had a few good crosses in the box, which is what um, I've seen when I've been watching him um, at Wren. He he does have that in his in his wheelhouse. And then Surah, within I think five minutes, was doing his usual pointing to to the ground to have a ball played into him and then Matt Crooks didn't feed him so he's probably <laughs> got to get probably got to get used to that but yeah there was a few good signs a few dodgy signs as well a few dodgy touches but you know they've, they've just been sort of thrown in there haven't they so the might come from them
3: yeah
5: Tom Uh pretty much the same um yeah, Hernandez had uh, a few good dribbles, created some OK chances for for the minutes he was on the field. What I'd like to see going forwards is him playing on the right if we do uh, change system. Just like Dana said, we had a lot of players over on the left, but we had Hernandez and Jones who can both offer the same thing, both on the left-hand side and not really anything on the right. Um, so I'd I'd like to see that. Leah Saliki, I noticed that about the, the crosses as well. Uh, I... It was kind of playing in my mind what we discussed about on the on the last podcast where it was mentioned he has an absolute wonderful left foot and did see that yesterday. He was caught in possession a couple of times. I think Warnock mentioned it after the match that you know he wasn't kind of up to up to pace yet, but he's only going to get that from from playing. So I hope he's not going to take three months to adapt to to England as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh Spara, what what I noticed about him is uh he was quite quick, uh which I've not been used to from our strikers for, for a long time. <laughs> so uh yeah, fingers crossed he's able to kinda of get some chances uh, fed into him in, in the
3: upcoming games. I hope so too. Um so let's let's chat about Boris form, shall we, because defeat yesterday left Middlesbrough with Nine wins in 33 games in 2021. So nine wins, seven draws and 16 defeats, uh, 37 goals forward and 47 against. Um, so it's a win percentage of 27%. Uh, so Dana, why do you think Bora is struggling to win games at the moment?
6: Well, I mean, I look back How at How long notes. have I got? <laughs> <laughs> there are a few themes. But yeah, I was looking through my notes from the games this season and in a lot of the games that we haven't won, which you know is a lot of them, we've only won one game this season. Um, I suppose the common takeout is the man to man marking. I hate it. I really don't like it. I think it's just so negative.
0: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you
1: plushcare.com slash weight loss
6: I don't know when it works as I said it works it's fantastic we pocket the Todd Cantwell's of the league but when it doesn't we get so exposed and it's almost too easy to exploit the weaknesses that we have because down either side of Hall and Bamber for example against Coventry it's just so easy to get that pace and to get in behind essentially and And as well, I think there's a big problem in midfield, actually. Yesterday, we had two attacking midfielders in Matt Crooks and and Tav who were quite deep, and we just didn't have a middleman, essentially, someone that could trap the ball, that could retain possession. We lost the ball 185 times yesterday, which is the most since the long ball mania game against Barnsley back in April, (laughs) in which both teams lost the ball over 200 times. But it, oh, our ball attention yesterday was awful, and I just feel like we need someone in midfield that can be that midfield general, that can see some control upon the game, and we didn't have that yesterday, and I think that's essentially what Coventry did have. So I think it's a mix of, there's certain gaps that need plugging in midfield for sure in terms of personnel, and then also the man-to-man marking, I just wish we'd been it.
3: Okay, well, what do you think needs to change then, Tom, because... It's the the form I've just mentioned there is quite bleak, isn't it? Yeah, I think Dan has
5: just touched on it there, and we, we talked about it earlier. But we, we need a, a system, and we need changes in the, in the personnel in that system. For me, I'd probably go with a four at the back now. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think we've got much choice, but we'd probably put Dykesteil and Palletier as kind of defensive fullbacks. Don't want to see them getting forward too much, but kind of help plug the gaps in in those areas. As a free in midfield, um, I'd probably stick and behind Leo Saliki and Piero. I'd, I'd want to see both of them playing and getting, getting the minutes. I think it's the only way they're going to improve. But also, they've got the quality on the ball in midfield to actually make things happen. And then you just need uh, wingers either side of uche or Spara up front. Um, so we stick to that system. We make the changes. Stop man-marking people. And we... Kind of go with our own style uh, style of play rather than trying to adapt to everyone because it's clearly not working.
3: Yeah, it's it's clearly not, is it? I think when when you <coughs> look at Boris as far over twenty twenty one, it seems that we've just been found out. Really, I mean it, the whole style and, and tactics of our play it just seem like teams can just read it. And for me, like we, I think we are quite numb in terms of like playing because like. I don't know. It, there's, like, nothing to it. Like, there's literally no feeling in our play. It's like, I can't really work out what we do. I, I don't... It's, like, kind of like water in a sink. Do you know what I mean? It's just, like... it's just It's just there, like... <laughs> Like nothing, nothing. There's like nothing. It doesn't move. Like there's nothing like to it. Do you know what I mean? Like there's like nothing. It's uh, such a strange metaphor, but it, it works. It, 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 it does work, <laughs> doesn't it? It's it's weird, but like it, it, like it's just I don't know. I don't really know what this this style, this, this type, this team's trying to do. Really, well, it's it,
6: also funny because it's draining to watch. And it's also draining to watch. Oh, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, I mean, but yeah, like even like the, the funny thing is, all like we get branded as like a set piece team, like in this in the in the Don Goodman School of Punditry. Like <laughs> he just says, ah. Oh, I Mills mean, were a fantastic uh, set piece team. I don't think I've seen us score a score score a set piece in in months. Like I mean, apart from uh, Corbin's effort, like Bristol sitting, Bristol we won
5: from uh, we we got the second goal from a free kick. Yeah, that was about it this season. Like we've had our chances from from long free kicks and corners, but
3: yeah, it's like they don't practice them. Do you know what I mean? Like I just don't really know what our strengths are. I don't know what I don't know what our weaknesses are, but strength wise, like. Goodness me, like, if you want to be a, a, a top six side, you need to start, like, having some, like, portents up front, do you know what I mean? Some aggression, it's break like, teams down. I just don't think we do. I think mean, we've, we've passed it to Jonesy and see what he does, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, basically.
6: But it's like that um, article that I sent you in the group chat about Plymouth, and I would love Ryan Law. At Borough, by the way, his manager, I think his football is absolutely fantastic. And he's somebody that will really pride his teams on his team's way of playing. There was a game against Bradford in an article that I was um, reading where it was basically a really cut-up pitch. It was, I think the the game was actually in jeopardy anyway of of starting because of the conditions. And he was asked, well, why didn't you change the way that you play? Why didn't you go a little bit longer? He was like, well, no, because that's not how my teams play this is how my teams play, we're going to play with it. And I think there's a certain... I mean, sometimes I do think you have to adapt, but we don't have an identity. The, or the only identity that I can see is the man marking, and that's defensively. Offensively, I just don't really see anything with, with us in terms of, like you said, what are we... <laughs> <laughs> what are we
3: yeah i think russell martin said something similar didn't he around mm. his his style um of football he's like mk dons he's like well why yeah. would i want to change what we're trying to do here like do you know what i mean mm, exactly yeah yeah it's very interesting that but let's let's move on to podcast questions because it, it kind of helps delve in a little bit more and obviously podcast questions you submit them on twitter we answer them on the podcast and for the first one's from charlie he says we always struggle to impose ourselves in the majority of games and with our defending being suspect for a while now are we just a counter attacking team and trying to nick games 1-0 tom are we a counter attacking team and trying just trying to nick games 1-0 that would just rubbish <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i don't
5: think anyone wants to see that ty- that type of player um and we've got the options up front now to to not be that type of player uh not play that type of system so we just need to start playing like it. Really, we need, like I said, one one clear system and actually utilize the attacking players that we've got properly.
6: Well, it's funny. It just adds to like the question of what are we? Because I was looking at the amount of shots that we've taken from counter attacking situations. Just the two, we scored from one of them. Mind, I can't remember what one that was. I'm going to have to maybe think it's about awesome that one.
3: Maybe other week.
6: Oh yeah, yeah, it might have been yeah. But I wouldn't even brand us as a counter attacking team either.
3: We're just a pool of water in a sink. We're just
6: hopeful. That's just <laughs> all we are. We're just hitting hope. Middlesbrough
3: Football Club, uh, hope by Twister. <laughs> Let's
5: see if we can get branded plucky little borough, because we all know what happens when people are branded like that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> see if we can get branded plucky little borough, because we all know uh, what what happens when people brand
3: teams like that. Wait, Promotion next off? season. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the next question, it's, it's an interesting one. It's from Matt, and he says, Gibbo has put his hand in uh, in his pocket. The recruitment's delivered. Now it's down to Warnock. How long would you give him to find the right formula and to get his squad where it should be until the next international break, which is a month away, um, Christmas or the end of the season, Dana? How long would you give it?
6: Well, the question was about finding the right formula, wasn't it? I'd like mm-hmm. to hope that... <laughs> by the time of the next international break, there's at least some cohesion in the attacking patterns of play and that we have somewhat of an identity. So I'd probably give it until the next international break. But in terms of judging where we are, I would give that probably till Christmas.
3: Christmas
5: time? Kind of the same. Um yeah. I don't... I, I think I wouldn't want us to act too early. Um, Just in case, because, yeah, fair enough, uh, the new manager would have a lot of time to turn things around and get us to where we probably should be aiming. But also, there's a lot more time for things to go wrong, which I think, as as much as we can kind of say about Warnock and his system at the moment, it's never kind of looked likely that we'd be in a, a relegation fight. It just kind of, we're like, there... Like your your pool of water analogy, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think probably around Christmas is fair to judge if it's not going well there. We've we've clearly kind of got a long long term plan in place now with Kieran Scott being there, uh, and it seems like we've been recruiting that for recruiting towards that for a couple of years anyway. Um, you know, give the. See, it's it's not even the matter of giving the new manager a, a January transfer window because I don't think they're going to have too much input on the on the players now. But mm. uh, yeah, just you, you'd have half a season there to
3: to kind of make it work. This. He's starting to believe my bold prediction about Leo being manager at Christmas.
6: <laughs> no, it's definitely going to be Blackwell. Uh, uh, yeah,
3: he's thinking, oh, no, it's Leo all over. <laughs> it's it's going to be Leo. I'm telling you, um, uh, Catmull's um, coaching and the youth teams could be him. Oh yeah, mm. cu- uh, cu- yeah, bit well, of
6: passion. Yeah, bit, uh, bit <laughs> of
3: passion from Lee. Two foot on the officials. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the next question uh, it's from Nick and Rob Fletcher, Bailey Knight, and Paul. I asked a similar question, to Nick really so he was, was saying. There is far too much knee-jerk reaction uh, from Saturday, as equally when we win. But how long would you realistically give it uh, before we make a judgment on how the season will pan out position-wise? Are we all in agreement? Christmas time, Christmas to February, yeah,
6: unless it's massively bad form before then, and you know we're sort of in the territory of the relegation places. And I think Steve Gibson needs to. well, we'll, we'll probably have a bit of a long, hard look at the future of the manager. But yeah, I would say Christmas time.
3: Christmas time, and then okay. The next question, um, it's a bit of a a, a random one because it came on, it was on Twitter the other day, and we were on about it. But from Chris, and he says, any truth in the Adam Clayton links, and obviously, if you don't know about it, Middlesbrough posted, uh, uh, I would say like, what was it like, like new it just a headline, one. a, new, or wasn't a it? headline, uh, like a headline of saying Adam Clayton happy to be back uh, <laughs> on on the on the website, and then nothing was there, <laughs> no. and it was only what on the eighth of September. Mm. I don't know if it's still there, but.
6: No, it isn't. They took it down. Took it
3: down. So, do you think there's any truth in the links or not? it's, just... it's leaked the news about our new manager quite early. Haven't we? <laughs>
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I
5: don't think there is. Like, I, I saw something um, the other day. I, I can't remember what it was from, but it was like some some council had. Uh, had approved and declined like loads of planning permission things because they thought they were doing it offline and it was actually online and you know it it ended up being binded decisions I reckon it might have just been something like that someone's kind of thought let's do this article out like test something out I think I'm doing it offline moves like an an ex-player's name Adam Clayton (laughs) <laughs> and then it's ended up going live and then, oh, shit, better take that down. Oh,
6: God, I uh, bad is
3: that? Adam Clayton, would you ever welcome him back, Lord Dana? No, no I'm,
6: I'm, I'm quite big on not going back on certain players and things. And I just, oh.
3: Yeah, I know. Like, imagine, like, switching him and house and all this <laughs> defensive mid. Like, yeah. how, how slow do you want it to be? Um, I mean, we just sold Sam Marcy, and like he was probably our best, <laughs> <the> best midfielder. <laughs> yeah. um, but next question is from Dev McNally. He says, is Tav now going to fill in at wing-back if we were to stay with the three at the back? Dana.
6: He could potentially, but I think I echo Tom's thoughts from earlier in the podcast that it would be a hindrance to him and in turn a hindrance to the team. I do think he's, he's played there before and played well, but in terms of doing it for more than one game or a handful of games and not for me no okay.
0: i also think yeah. just a secondary yeah.
6: point he was playing centrally yesterday wasn't he mm-hmm. much better out wide much much better out wide and essentially he i mean he's got a free run really when he's out on that right-hand side um i think again it just confirms to me that he is much better taking it from that right-hand side and, and coming in centrally rather than starting centrally
3: Okay, fair enough then. Final question. It's from Patrick and he says, "What, what's the big statement change you'd make for the next game to put a rocket up the backside of our players? Because it was shocking today. Uh, what is the big statement you'd make, Tom? Just changes in personnel. I think the
5: players yesterday that probably could be dropped for the next game, especially if we go to a back four. Um and just kind of give them the same treatment that Houseman got after the Derby game. I'm thinking specifically Grant Hall out for for Bamba in that uh, in that back four. Maybe pairing him up with Fry. Um, obviously Pellier would have to come in the left back. I'd like to go kind of all out with the the new signings as well. Have Hernandez and and Tav on on the wings. Um, you know Saliki and and. Piero if if he does actually have a knock and he's he's fit <clears throat> then I'd I'd like like him to be in the midfield and and probably start Sporar as well.
3: Okay. Well, uh dinner
6: I'd probably change the midfield considerably. I'd put Lee Sleek in there and then Martin Pierre as well because I just think that would give us the balance. They both are ball carriers, which, I mean, let's be honest, we're never going to see that under Neil Warnock. And if we do, then Jesus Christ, I must be dreaming. But I think to put them in midfield would assert a little bit more dominance in, in the middle of the park that we need.
3: Okay, I would go, I would stick with the three at the back. Um, I would move Dijksteel into a central position on the right hand side uh, with with Hall and Fry I would play Tav wing back and I would also play probably Hernandez on the other side um, go three midfield and play two up top with Uche and Spera and just go just get Tav to just hoof balls to Uche and just to flick on for, <laughs> for Sparra that's the only way I can see Neil Warnock going and, ch- and changing things uh, and up next uh, we're going to chat about Nottingham Forest and we speak to Dan from the Up The Mighty Pools podcast but first a quick message about our fundraiser the Morton Neuron Disease Association this season <laughs> This season, we're fundraising for the Motor Neuron Disease Association. Motor Neuron Disease is a fatal, rapidly progressing disease that affects the brain, spinal cord, and can make a person unable to move, swallow, and even breathe. The MND Association is incredibly close to this podcast, and we're trying to raise as much money as we possibly can to improve care and even get one step closer to finding a cure for this disease. You're helping us right now by listening to this awareness message, but you can go one step further by helping us achieve our target of £5,000 by just donating what you can to www.justgiven.com forward slash the borough breakdown MND. That's www.justgiven.com forward slash the borough breakdown MND. So, I'm back to the Borough Breakdown podcast. Uh, guys, let's break down Nottingham Forest. Wednesday night uh, at the city ground, how do you think, How do you see it going?
5: Well, based on form, we should be in for a, an alright game, but this is Borough. Um, Nottingham Forest haven't won all season, um, although they are playing in 45 minutes at home to Cardiff, so that might change by the time this goes out. Um, the Drew won all with Derby in the last game um, I remember watching that in concourse at the Riverside and thinking both teams were absolutely poor um, and then before that lost away 1-0 at Stoke uh, lost at home 2-1 at Blackburn uh, lost at home 2-1 to Bournemouth and also lost on the first day of the season away at Coventry just like us although they actually scored so <laughs> they've not won all season Um all that's kind of missing is a striker who hasn't scored since 2003 um, <laughs> and it would be a typical Borough uh, result, but that, that's the kind of team that we're coming up against Wednesday.
3: Oh, Dana, do you want to have some player breakdown as well?
6: <laughs> yeah, they play a four-two-three-one. I was looking at their XG actually, they have the lowest XG in the league with 2.9. appreciate they've got another game to come, but I mean, they're, they're massively struggling at the moment. I think... Chris Hewton is almost delaying the inevitable. I think he probably will end up getting sacked soon. He's probably in that bracket of managers where I do feel like the game has moved on from them. And I do remember a lot of Borough fans wanted Chris Hewton after Jonathan Woodgate, or not, after Tony Pierce because they wanted a better style of play, which is funny because I don't think that uh, Chris Hewton's style of play is particularly great um anyway but I think a player to player to target and a player to look out for I think a player to target is definitely Guy Tang Bong I've seen a lot of um criticism of him recently particularly in the derby game of course there's heightened emotions in that game because it's a derby but I think in that game he from what I saw anyway before I left for the riverside he did look particularly poor um, getting in behind him, his positioning, was was pretty bad in that game. And then one to look out for is definitely Phillips in Canagel. Um He's come in and I've got him in my uh, Championship Fantasy team, actually, and he's, he's done some decent business for me so far. But I think he's someone that really shouldn't be out for us because he's a player that probably deserves better than than to play for a team that are really struggling at the moment. So he's definitely one to look out for, creative, good delivery on him from out wide they are a team that um, play from both sides really there's no like Coventry particularly played um, out on the right they go down both wings and um, so he's definitely one to, to look out for.
3: Okay so how, how do you see the game going then?
6: Ooh, it's I mean after that Coventry game we have to have a, a result that lifts us Forest are in horrible form but to be fair Oh, It's one of those sort of trap games, isn't it, where I can kind of see us losing it. But I'm going to try to be positive and say 1-0 Borough.
3: 1-0 Borough. Tom, I already feel like I know your answer, but we'll go with it i'm gonna go one all i, one all. I, I, I don't think uh...
6: i swear you've gone one all on pretty much every game this season oh, no, I,
5: I started, started off quite optimistically and now it's just going down like <laughs>
3: optimistic tom is just is, is just dead and all buried all now here <laughs> i'm just tired now <laughs> <laughs> tired tom one all um I'll, i'm gonna go with i think we'll win i think we'll win one nil. I just think we'll just hit off someone's backside and go in and, we'll, and that'll be it and we'll be promotion favourites again. Um, but then the next up, guys, we'll chat about Blackpool and we spoke to Dan from Up the Mighty Pools podcast to ask him a couple of questions about Blackpool and see how the game will go on Saturday.
4: So in terms of formation, Blackpool like to set up in a four-four-two as standard. But what you'll find is that Neil Critchley, the Blackpool manager, tends to look at different formations that the opposition will use. And then base his formation off whatever the team's going for. So I can't guarantee that it will be 4-4-2. But it's most probable that um, he might go for that. In terms of how we've been playing. We've been playing uh, very well obviously. You might have seen got a recent win. A uh, 1-0 win against Fulham. Um, where everyone played very well. But two standout players for me in terms of ones to watch would be Shane Lavery and Josh Bowler now both of these guys played in the Everton youth team so they know each other's game very well Josh Bowler is a very direct pacey winger who likes to get into the box and have a shot whereas Shane Lavery will constantly hassle defenders and again likes to cut inside and, and have a pop himself um, in terms of my prediction I generally think that it's going to be a tough game um, as all games are in the Championship, but especially uh, Middlesbrough, really do rate Warnock and his side. So I think it's either going to be a... I've got two minds here. I've got a 1-1 draw in my head. I think it's just going to be a 1-1 draw. Um, But if it was going to be a win, I'd probably say Blackpool might just nick it, Um, just based off the confidence they'll take from that recent Fulham win and um, the fact that... um, Minus didn't do as well as maybe I thought they would against Coventry this weekend.
3: Okay, guys, uh, Blackpool. Um, in the club game, they're the torn us apart, of course. Um, can we maybe see something similar? Because they, they really did play us off the pitch on, the, on that night. I appreciate we had to have a, quite a few youngsters playing, of course, but they, they did tear us apart.
6: Yeah, um, I don't think it's going to be... The same as the the cup game, of course. As you mentioned, there it was a completely different starting level for Borough. But someone that impressed in the in that game, and someone that I think is going to impress in this game, is definitely who Dan mentioned there is one of the players to look out for, Josh Baller. He was linked with us, I remember, a few seasons ago. I think it was under Tony Pulis, actually. Um, <laughs> he probably did a good thing not, not joining us then. But he's a very good player, as he said, very direct. Scored the goal against Fulham, which I mean, defending was bad from um, Anthony Robinson, and I think it was Sarri. Um... But he's a very good player, very creative player, threat in the box as well, threat from out wide. But in terms of a prediction, um, you know what? I'm going to go with Tom. I'm going to go one all. I'm going to take a leaf out of Tom's one all book and say one all.
3: Okay, one all. Tom, you're going to go um, one, one all. <laughs> no, I'm going to take a leaf out of Dana's book for, for
5: Forrest. I'm going to go with a borrow win. Um, I'm going to go one nil. I'm, I can just see it being kind of. A, a really kind of boring game. Uh we'll we'll get the one one goal early and
3: just kind of see it out. Full time whistle. Middlesbrough 5, Blackpool 5. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm going to go with I think we'll win. I think we're going to have a good week this week. I think we'll 2-0 Borough. Um I think we I think if if it's a week to try and put things right and try and get the conference back up, we need a big we need a big big week and I think we will do that. I think we'll We'll go on to win two nil. Um so guys, thank you very much for joining me as always, and thank you guys for listening as well. And if you do like this podcast, do give us a five star written Apple Podcasts that helps us get chartered, and of course, over the last few weeks we have been a, a, two, a UK top thirty podcast. So thank you very much for 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 that as well. Um but that's it. Fifteenth place, six points in six, nine wins in thirty-three. It sounds bleak, but it's still very early in the season. But this has been the Borough Breakdown Podcast, and that was oh, our mash the chatter in a pod